When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Climb Blue Podcast post-match reaction. If I can get my words out, I'm Dan Robertson, joined by an elated Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast. Neil, thank you very much for joining me this evening. I will say very quickly before we get started, my birthday today, and what a, what a birthday present <laughs> to get three points at, at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But my other half says, I should not be here this evening. I should not be doing this. I should be enjoying a day off. So we're going to keep this as brief as we can. How could I resist not coming on here and talking about Aston Villa finally getting into the top four? We've had our last season, we had an 11th place, didn't we, Neil? We were stuck in for mm. what felt like an eternity. We've had the same kind of thing over the last few weeks. We've been stuck in fifth no matter what we did. We finally re- leapfrogged somebody above us. We've moved into the top four. We've got an away win against somebody who we're competing with. It's a perfect day, isn't it, Neil? Just for everybody, just before we came on, I thought Dan said, I'm working today and I shouldn't really be doing this. So Dan, what Dan actually said was, it was my birthday today and I completely blew him <laughs> off and I didn't even say, oh yeah, I didn't even say happy birthday to him there. So Dan, I want to apologize and say happy birthday to you first off. Thank you, <laughs> I was wondering why there was a project, protracted pause after I responded back to you. Uh, but no, you're you're dead right, Dan. Look, it's a great birthday present for you. Three points against the team. Mm. Uh, that we A team in and around us at the top of the table, a team that have really been brilliant up until injuries have really derailed them and, and suspensions. Yeah. And it just goes to show the fragility of um, of even the top teams, you know. Now, it's it's unprecedented the amount of injuries and absentees that they have at the moment, but it's all worth nothing if teams like, like Villa don't capitalise on that. We very nearly didn't at times in this game, but by God was I so delighted to see Ollie Watkins' uh, toe get on the end of that ball and put it under Vicario because I thought as soon as we got back level, I went, yeah, we've had our we we've we we've weathered that storm and as the game progresses we should be able to bring in fresher bodies they didn't really have anything on the bench they'd already burnt a substitution that they probably would have wanted to use later in the game to bring in Hybear for yeah. both um the Celso and Bentancur who hadn't played an awful lot of football up until then and I think that really played into our hands I presume we'll talk about that in a while but overall Dan, this is brilliant. It gives us that buffer between uh, the teams below us as well, and it also puts us two points off the top of the league. Dan, so it's just a it's it's just a smashing result all around. Yeah, are we in a title race here now? Is that a genuine thing? Two points off the top. It's it's like. Do you remember that that tweet that was? He's twenty eight until he's twenty nine. You know, remember that yeah, that yeah, brilliant yeah. tweet. Well, we're in the title race until we're out of it. That's that's my way of thinking at the moment. You know, we're in it. We're in it, and uh, like look. look Facetiously, we're in it, I suppose, really. But you know, you go in, you 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 weather the storm between in this run of games that we have with a tough fixture, Bournemouth. They've we've not had luck at Bournemouth ever um, mm-hmm. since they've come back into the Premier League. They've been a real bogey team for us. Um, then you've got City, you've got Arsenal, you've got uh, Brentford, you've got Sheffield United, and you got Man United before you finish the season. It's there's, there's it's fraught with danger in in that. But we come out the first of January. And we're still two points off top, or 
top by six points, then we can start to have a better a better conversation about it. But yes, at the moment we're in the title race because we're uh, a loss to uh, and and uncharacteristic loss to to Nottingham Forest away from being one point uh, uh, mm. a loft at the top of the league. My microphone wasn't switched on. As I said, I was not oh. supposed to be working today and I was on my AirPods. Uh, so hopefully I sound much clearer now. Though, Neil, I can't hear you anymore. So that's great. It sounded fine to me. Back to the <laughs> back. Yeah, got you. I, knew, I thought something Excellent. sounded weird, but I just thought, let's just get going quickly because uh, we haven't got long. Yeah, it's um, silly, I guess, to say that Villa are in a title race given how relentless the size above us like Man City are and we don't have the depth that they have, etc. But if Villa continue to pick up results and we're, we're playing those guys coming up soon and we and say we beat Man City on that Wednesday and then you go into Arsenal, well, yes, it's still a hell of a long way to go, but Villa are at least serious contenders for the top four, which is something we've been saying for a, for a fair few weeks now. I said in our end of season show last year, and I'll always keep bringing this up while we're up and around there, that I think Villa will finish in the top four this season. And I feel slightly more vindicated this week than ever than ever before that we're actually now in there. I don't want to dive too much into like the specifics of the game, because obviously we'll be recording a more in-depth show uh, tomorrow, Monday morning, that will be out tomorrow lunchtime or tomorrow afternoon with, I think that's me and John, and we'll, we'll look at things in a bit more detail. There was never going to be a better time to beat Spurs at their at their stadium. I know we did it last year, but this season, like you still, they've been much improved, and there was never going to be a better time to to go and beat them than than today with the injuries and suspensions that they had. And I thought we were going to shoot ourselves in the foot with the first half. Mm. Uh, that's probably one of the worst halves we've had under Emery. Something just didn't click for whatever reason. The kind of trio of Cash further forward, Conte right back, and Carlos. I'm not digging out the individual specifically. But that change of the way we play didn't work for whatever reason. I don't think Watkins and Diaby led from the front in the ways we've seen them do uh, um, very well either. And it just something about it just didn't didn't look right. And I was expecting to think oh, I could probably get out of doing the podcast this afternoon because we're probably going to lose here because we just don't look anywhere near it. So the fact that we've come back in the second half and, and come from behind, which I know Spurs have, have been ahead in the last couple of games, haven't they? And still gone on to lose. So that's something that's um, setting into to their side a little bit. But to come away in that second half, make the changes. Bailey and Tielemans instrumental in, in our better play in the second half. Obviously, Tielemans sets up uh, Watkins for his goal. It's a great show of character, isn't it, for Villa to, to do that in the second half and come away with a huge three points, solidify themselves in the top four. And also, as much as we're kind of joking about top four, it's again creating that bit of breathing space for the teams behind us. And that's what that's what's more important than anything. Yeah, like the the teams behind us had pretty decent results yesterday, albeit Brentford uh, conceded late on. Like losing today could really have dragged us into that battle with teams down as far as West Ham in ninth place. It could have really dragged us. And we could still get dragged into that battle. But for now, we have that breathing space of five points back to Newcastle United and six points to, uh, who's behind, I think it's six points to Brighton, seven points to Man United and eight points to uh, to West Ham. So it's I'm pretty concertina there. And, 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 and United are playing Everton, So yeah. Are they? Yeah. But there we go. So, like, it gives it's a concertina in that in that situation there, and that's 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 a that's a tough little mini group of of, of teams to 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 be dragged into. So, this win today was pivotal from a, from a lot of like, if we'd lost today, it could have been a sliding doors moment with regards mm. to us getting our, getting top four or getting any European football at all. It really could have, and that's even with our fantastic start. And you mentioned there that something didn't seem quite right in the first half. That right hand side was uh, a, an area of concern, and it was. Only 
an area of concern because there was unfamiliarity there. There was Diego Carlos coming back from injury. Matty Cash, mm. uh, Udagi was pulling in. So Udagi and Pedro Porro in, um, in, in possession were pulling right into this, in, to, to create almost false central midfielders. Cash was being pulled in there. He didn't know whether to go or whether to stay. Kamara and, and Douglas Luiz were, were bamboozled as well. They were pushing back and Kanza was kind of hung out to dry out there. I think it was, I said in my own podcast, I think it was his poorest performance under Una Emery, but I'm not digging him out. I just think the game didn't suit him the way that we set up and the way, the way Spurs set up mm. because there was lots of space in front of him. And when he got the ball, he was hounded and there was nobody around him because he didn't have somebody, an out ball up the, up the line to go to. He had to try and turn around to see who was in, inside. And the second he turned around, San was there blocking the, blocking the ball to Diego Carlos. And a couple of times he's had to turn and try and kick it off Brian Hill to go out for a throw. So it's not all his fault with regards to this. I just think Gunnar Emery will look back at it and go, yeah, that didn't look, they, they, that, that didn't work. They... They outdid us there, and we gave them nothing to think about going forward on our right-hand side. So then in the second mm. half, when we bring on Bailey, they go, okay, if we get caught here, because Diaby was our main outlet from uh, a pace point of view. He was nullified because he was chasing shadows up top at Watkins. Yeah. But then when we moved that pace point out into the wing, they went, they, they couldn't overload on that side or isolate Kanza out there because they had to keep somebody there and give Kanza that out ball, and he was much better in the second half. So I think, I think there's, uh, it's, Unai Emery deserves a big pat in the back for his halftime changes because both of them, I think, were very influential in us gaining more of the ball in the second half and also creating a lot more chances in the second half. And most of them came from those two men in Tielemans and Bailey. So well done to Unai Emery for those changes. Absolutely. There's a couple of key moments throughout the game. In that first half, again, we'll look at this in, in further detail on our next show, but... Spurs had a hat full of chances where they, they could have scored. I think Kuliseski hit the post and the Son, I think, had one ruled off for, uh, offside in the first half. He had a three overall in the game that he had ruled out for offside. So it's those five margins that you're slightly onside or the width of a post. Spurs are two or three up at half time and the game is done and, and our kind of slow start and wrong tactics, let's say, uh, to begin with could have damaged us if, if those five margins were slightly differently. But thankfully for Villa, they, that, that wasn't the case. The goal that wasn't for Ollie Watkins who equalised, or so mm. we thought, straight after Son had scored. Uh, was it Son who scored the first one? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Lacelso. Lacelso, of course, yeah. Which, to be fair, again, another little um, small margin that that's a great strike, which deflected off Carlos. And I think if it wasn't, I think Martino saved yeah. it, to be honest. So, again, yeah. great strike, real firepower behind it, but a fine margin that that's actually the way the goal's gone. We go straight up the other end and Watkins scores or so we think and, and the offside was, was so tight. I, I'm really still not sure what I think of it because the goal, the angle of where Watkins is near side of the camera, I thought, oh, that's, that's very tight. Like he's probably marginally off. When I flipped it to the other side of the stadium and it's the, the Spurs defender is, is near camera side, I actually thought Watkins was onside from that angle. So yep. it took a hell of a long time to work out. And I know there's this kind of like offside is offside, it's definitive, it, it either is or it isn't. But I look at that as, well, from that side of the stadium, he looked offside. And for this side of the stadium, he looked onside. It took you three minutes to work it out. And I know it's gone against Villa, so I'm clearly biased here, but I'd be thinking, if it takes that long, it's not clear, is it? So maybe... Yeah. The on-field decision should have stood and it should have been onside. What did you make of I, that? Did, could, you, could you tell whether it was off or not? Uh, I think, yeah, in that one that they showed the second uh, view, it did look offside. But my point of view with this is, and it's always been my point of view, you zoom in on that freeze frame, 
it's blurry as hell. You cannot pick yeah, the pixel yeah. that's, that, that is the pixel. There is the one that was on the other side where the Spurs player was in front. Watkins' hang, hand looks artificially elongated due to number one perspective and secondly, the quality of the of the still image. Then you come back and you look, it's just, it's an antiquated system because of the fact that you come back and you go, is this exactly the moment that this person's foot is touching the ball? Once again, you zoom in on a camera, you can't see it. The picture is, is blurry. There's ambiguity there. So if you're going to say somebody is offside for millimeters or for, for less than an inch mm. or for an inch or whatever, you need to be bang on perfect with regards to pixels, regardless of what game it's what, what game it's in. And I speak from a slight bit of experience in this because I used to be involved in architecture before. I might have told this in this podcast before. And you, sometimes you would need to maybe draw an outline sketch design from a picture. And when you zoom in on it and you put a, you put a line there, you've no idea which is the starting pixel and which is mm -hmm. the ending pixel with regards to that. Yeah. You're trying to go to the middle and that may not be the right one because it, it does blur and it does, you know, the... The, the, the image, the quality of the image needs to be absolutely crystal clear for stuff like this. Now, I look, it's, if it's offside, it's offside. I'm not bitching and moaning about it. Sorry for swearing on your podcast. I shouldn't yeah, no, have. Um, but I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, it was a great header. I'm going to talk about it in the positive. It was a brilliant mm -hmm. ball in and it was an yeah. absolutely brilliant header from Ollie. Ollie Watkins' two finishes today were strikers' finishes. There were strikers yeah. finishes that I love to see. And and then and, and the one that he got to the back post, he heads that down off, off Ben Davis' head. I'm 99.999% sure that it's off Ben Davis' head and goes out yeah. for a corner, yet they get the goal kick. But um, yeah, I got to take the positive from that offside and say that was a really good header from Molly Watkins and 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 his goal for, for the winner was was sublime i just love those so we bounce back quickly don't we like if that was if that if they did decide it was mm -hmm. on side, we're straight back in the game immediately and it's a great finish it's a good build up and it's good mentality to get back in so quickly so yeah unfortunately it, it, yeah. it's not mattered in the end because we've won the game but i agree with everything you're saying about like the the clarity of ar that if you zoom in on an image so much that's pixelated and things kind of look bigger than they are how would you define a definitive when you come mm -hmm. to talk about millimeters and inches the flip side of that is, a, is another thing from a, a video perspective is that yeah. like if if I've got a still image and I'll try and demonstrate this on a webcam, which I don't know if I will, of my hand, you can clearly see I've got five fingers. But if I'm in motion and I'm running through a football pitch, if, yeah. I, if I take a freeze frame of my fingers now, which I can't do because we're doing it live, it'll look like I've got a blur of, I could have six fingers, although I'm not from a certain you, You'd be like as if you were on a blues podcast. You know, exactly, you'd have, yeah. have so six it's, fingers. It's difficult to say if, if Watkins' speed of motion with his arms, because he's, he's burst forward a little a little burst of acceleration, maybe his arm looks slightly further forward than it actually is because of motion yeah. blur as well, which we're getting into something that's not really mattered, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a talking point at least. Um, what was a, a defining moment was Pau Torres' equaliser that did stand Ooh. and was onside right on the break of half-time, the perfect time to score, as everybody knows. What a delightful goal that was, Neil. An unbelievable oh. ball in from, from Douglas Louise, inch perfect on the money, and a brilliant header from Pau Torres as well, who gets his second goal of the season in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, like I can't, it's the, the goal was so good. I was pausing there to try and remember who was fouled for the goal, and I have no idea who was fouled. I can't remember who was fouled for it, but that, that cross in was inch perfect, the run was inch perfect, there was a VR check yeah. for that as well, and the header was just a planter right into the corner. It was brilliant. Like, And this is Pau Torres, who had missed a similar one, a free header, who where he tried to almost yes. place it too much into the corner mm -hmm. only 15 minutes before, or 20 minutes beforehand. So, great, great show of character for him, and 
it was a get out of jail. It was a get out of jail situation for Villa um, to score that goal. And they capitalized on it in the second half. But without that goal, I think Villa go on to lose that game. Yeah, I think it was I think that was the that was the the pivot point for this game for sure. Because of the timing, yeah. you know, just so so close to half time and uh Villa really riding their luck in the first half. It gave them time to go in, regroup, take that as a positive, the momentum shifts, the changes they were brought at halftime. Knowing Spurs can't make two changes at halftime. Well, they could, but it was unlikely they were going to make two changes at halftime. And you bring on yeah. pace and you bring on precision and the two guys. I think Unai seized on that. It's like it's like a fighter when he sees somebody maybe drop their guard for a moment. He we got their the the punch in, and then we just didn't stop, and we kept on the front foot then and controlled the center of the ring, so to say. Yeah, I agree with the fact that if we'd not scored, then I would have worried for Villa in the second half. But mm-hmm. even to go in one nil down, I'd have actually taken that and thought, gosh, we're we're lucky that it's only one. To be honest, it, it, like I said earlier, with the the width of a post or a, uh, an offside being onside, Spurs could easily have been three 0 up at halftime. But mm-hmm. were that bad. And I know we've just been yeah. very biased in in regards to VAR and emotion blur and whatever else. Oh, yeah. that, that didn't really matter. Villa were abject in the first half. It's one of our worst performances, and then to go on and win is makes it one of our best performances in, in a strange roundabout way. Um, mm-hmm. Villa should have been two three down at halftime easily. So to go in at one all and the confidence of just having scored just before the break as well, you can make your changes. That was that kind of momentum shift 100%. Another mm-hmm. couple of things I want to talk about before I let you go, Neil. So like I said, we haven't got much time this evening um, because I am being told, come on, let's wrap this up. Soon. I'm being told as um, well. I, I'm looking in I'm looking in the door here. I can see a poor woman trying to feed two kids at the table and know, I'm like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> I know. So let's try and wrap this up as best we can and talk about Emmy Martinez uh, who ah. made a couple of great sides throughout the game, but that double save in particular uh, just proves why he's the best goalkeeper in the world and the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, some would argue. Without doing a gratuitous um, advertisement, if you go on my Twitter, you can see how full stretch he was when he Mm. got his left hand up to save that ball. It's literally fullest of full stretches. It's all of Emmy Martinez to get to that ball in the top corner. But the first save was better. First save was like it was reaction. Yeah. I know it probably just hit him. It, it, in in truth be told, because I haven't seen it back. But they're the ones that go in. It was and that they're the they're the the percentage balls that Spurs play. They play those balls into the box to make sure mm-hmm. that there's a bit of a pinball, a screwball scramble inside there somewhere along the line, and they get deflections. And and you know you need to ride your luck in situations like that. You see a lot of times today that when they were playing balls across the box, Villa players were literally just trying to get the slightest flick of a back heel to it to make sure that they didn't mm-hmm. hit it off another player because you just can't. Uh, you can't legislate for that kind of stuff. But Martinez, that save was brilliant. Gets back up and then right to the top corner. I'll also talk as well about something brilliant that he did throughout the game. He came for crosses. And that was, yeah. I was really I was really delighted with it because they weren't playing any recognized center halves. So, and the the height of their team was pretty average throughout. I know there were like, there's a couple of six footers there, or maybe six foot one players there, but there was no big six foot four. There was no big mm. Mickey van de Ven. There was no, Big Christian Romero, and I don't know how high either the two of those are, but they seem to be bigger and more set-piece targets or set-piece threats. And until Hybear came on, they didn't really have that. But he came and he was solid under them. And even that ball that he caught towards the end and lay down on the ground in true Emmy Martinez fashion, um, that was real settler, you know, and that was leadership. And that was leadership at yeah. the time we needed. So so well done to him. I thought he, I, I thought I, I gave him a match um, for Villa today just because... I don't think any Villa player was outstanding today. I think it was more of a team performance and we got our tactics yeah. right in the second half when we took our chances. But what Emmy Martinez did 
was the reason that we weren't more goals down. I think you're spot on. You mentioned earlier about the substitutes changing the game, which is an obvious thing to say because we were so much better in the second half. But what we spoke about in the preview to the game was that there was this expectation of this game to be total chaos, that high line versus high line, and you know one team's going to win 5-4 and all this kind of stuff. And the first half was chaotic, but in the sense that Spurs just could have scored more goals and Villa looks mm. not their usual selves. Uh, it wasn't chaotic in that both sides were, were going at each other in terms of attacking play. It was just that they were far better and Villa didn't look at it. In the second half, though, he established a bit more of that control that Emery likes. Tielemans allowing to get his foot on the ball a little bit and play just simple passes and keep us ticking a little bit. I thought McGinn was much improved in the second half. Yeah. Bailey even keeping hold of the ball and kind of dribbling past a couple of players and then not like beating his man and, and, and making a move or getting an assist, but just keeping the ball, going back to Dean or whoever it is and just like things just looking a, a lot a lot nicer in the second half and a bit more in control. And all that ultimately leads to the goal, which is, again, I thought a great move all the way through, a real bit of quality. Tiedemann's with a lovely weight of pass, uh, kind of time and space, yeah. just, to, just to thread it through. And Watkins' first time across the goalkeeper. Uh, I love a little grass-cutter uh, effort as well. Like you said, Strikers finishes all the way throughout from, from, from Watkins, the disallowed goal and the one that, that he was given. And that's the moment that wins the game. Another match-winning goal for Farley Watkins. I think I saw on social before we jumped, jumped on that that's his third match-winning goal of the season. Um, so far, I don't know that's just the Premier League. But yeah, a, a proven match winner, the perfect striker for an I saw Dan Bardell tweet, but I've said the same myself before. Um, just, yeah, just a real moment of quality to see off the game, see out the game and Happy days, yeah. Absolutely. The combination of work rate and, um, you know, we'll always talk about the chances that he misses. It's it, it's funny. Some of that can be confirmation bias. That some of that can just be because we want him to score more goals because he's ours. But, you know, I've done a piece previously whereby Lewandowski has missed more big chances last season. Erling Haaland missed more big chances last season. Kylian Mbappe missed more big chances last season. And when you look at their goal scoring rates, they're, you know, with regards to the chances that they have and the percentages and stuff like that, it's it, it's not a million miles away, I put it that way. So, um, yes, we would like him to score more, but, man, this guy is just, like, he's been brilliant since Unai Emery has come in. Like, he's been exactly what we need. He He's the difference between us being us last year or us being Wolves last year. Or he's the difference between us being us this year or us being Chelsea this year. You know, mm-hmm. it, from that point of view, we're scoring goals. Chelsea went down a run where they couldn't score goals. We're scoring goals because of Ollie Watkins, not in spite of Ollie Watkins. And long may that, mm-hmm. conti- may, may that continue. Um, he's there behind me. And uh, yeah, as, as I say, he's he's first name in the team sheet. Just first yeah, name uh, for what he brings in the goal scoring part. I don't have the, the, the stats in front of me, but is it 22? Premier League wins in a calendar year for Villa, which is a which is a record, I think. Whatever it is, Villa have been absolutely fantastic throughout 2023, as we've said many, many times. This is now that one of the first results, I suppose, of Villa going to somebody away from home, which again, not been great away from home, have we? So to, to even not uh, oh. get that narrative out of the way is nice. But to do it against somebody that's above us and who will be wanting to finish in the top six as well is a real mark and a real statement of how far Villa have come. And yeah, as I head into another year of being older, the best time Aston Villa have been in in my lifetime, and long may that continue. Jack says in the comments, and I thought of saying this the same before I jumped on, he says, if you can win, even when you're not playing your best, that's the beginning of a good side. 
And how often have we said something like that of, of somebody like a Man United over the years that even when they don't play great, they seem to win out of nowhere. And that was Villa to a certain to, to a certain extent today. Didn't play well in the first half, were much improved in the second and somehow found a way to win. And that will see Villa finish in the top six of the right. Premier League this season. I've, I've no doubt about it. And I actually genuinely think we'll finish in the top five and possibly the top four. On that note, this is the first time we've been in the top four at this time time of the season since 2009. So, wow. as I said in my own podcast, everybody, put your arms around it. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Um, like, the the change in this team, the change in this team's fortunes, the, the structure that's been brought in, in such a short, what, 13 months, 10, uh, yeah, 13 months since Una Emery took over the team. It's it's not a fluke. Um, we may fall short in getting Champions League this season, but we're a hell of a lot uh, more of a different beast from top to bottom, from Swiris and uh, and Edens all the way down to uh, the volunteers at the club. We're in a hell of a lot different space than we were two years ago, and we're in a hell of a lot yeah. different space on the field than we were 13 months ago. So this is fantastic. This is something to be proud of. Um, and as I said, put your arms around it because there will be people who will turn around and they will try and denigrate us. They will try and say that we're only there because of X, Y, and Z. It happened last year about expected goals and expected goals against and all this kind of stuff. All those statistics, everybody knows me. I love my statistics. They're like the stock market. They're, 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 they're not real until, uh, until somebody needs to prove a point. Um, but actual goals are real goals. Actual goals for and actual goals against. And Aston Villa are, are joined second for actual goals in the league this season. And we're seeing the results and we're seeing the points as well because we're what we're joint third in the Premier League at the moment, I think is what we are. So just literally put your hands up and high five each other because we should be. We should be celebrating this uh, and we should form a protective ring around this team and 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 ride and literally ride this this this, this great uh, wave of positivity all the way to see where it takes us. Well, a lovely way to end the, the show, Neil. But I'm going to end with a very quick negative from CP. I told you I did this at a rush. He said, did you know the thumbnail for this show says Spurs 2, Villa 1? No, I didn't know that. And I will be changing that after this live show to, to change that. that. Villa won this game, not Tottenham Hotspur. Also, just very quickly and also a negative, when you just said this is the first time we've been in the top four this part of a season since 2009, that was half my life ago. That was 14 years ago. I'm 28 today. So I was 14 the last time we were in the top four. I'm going to double oh. that age. So that's pr- that's pretty sad, isn't it? And also that will probably spark the comments of, oh my God, you're only 28. You look so much older. You've had a tough paper round. So I get, I get, <laughs> it's that, okay. I get that every year. Most people look younger beside me anyway. I'm not as old as I look either. Then so it's uh it's it's yeah but it's that it's my grey beard. Oh, this comes yeah. in handy this weather, it comes in handy this time of year, the grey beard, uh for a side hustle. <laughs> we will end the show there. Neil, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks to everyone also in the comments, by the way, for the, the well wishes on my birthday. Much appreciated. As I said, I shouldn't be doing this. I am off today, uh, but how could I resist jumping in and, and talking about Spurs and engaging with the kind of uh the Claret and Blue community that we've built up almost five hundred people watching live on Sunday evening. Uh thanks to everyone will listen to this over the coming days me and john will record a fresh show uh, on monday uh, probably an hour long looking at things in, in a, a lot more detail and, and the wider picture around villa we're in the europa conference league aren't we neil this thursday upcoming so we'll chat mm-hmm. about that a little bit in that show as well um so stay tuned to all things Claret and blue uh, to keep up to date with our latest content thank you neil for joining me thank you for watching and we'll see you again very soon Ta-ra. <laughs>